I think it's pretty safe to say that the uh, sport and rec world uh, needs data, needs data to make good decisions, uh, needs data to justify its existence or to talk about the social value it has in communities and regions and, and countries. Um, my name is Mike Roma, and uh, I'm actually chair of an organization that's in the sport and rec world and uh, that specializes in data and what to do with it. It's called Active Exchange. And I'm the chair of Active Exchange North America. Um, I've been working in this industry about 20 years and uh, as a consultant, as a volunteer, and obviously as a participant too. And along that journey, I continually realized how important data is and how important it is to use it in an appropriate uh, way. So today's podcast is kind of about that. It's about what uh, the last couple of years have brought to the sector. And uh, I'm joined by a couple of esteemed individuals that are gonna help me uh, discuss that and talk about uh, what happened in 2021, what we think is gonna happen in 22 and, and beyond. So the first uh, individual I'd like to uh, introduce is a gentleman named Alex Burroughs. So Alex started out as a data analyst and planning consultant in the UK before going on to set up several award-winning teams that over the last 10 years have pioneered the concept of bringing participant and attendance data together from across sport, leisure and recreation facilities, often working with third-party registration systems and integrating this information into a common platform. And with this creating actionable market and business insights that everyone can benefit from. The solutions that Alex has come up with are currently used by multiple governments, over 100 sport associations, 3,000 facilities that are influencing how over 20 million people are active and healthy today using data from over 1 billion visits. This has redefined how the sector now makes planning, funding, operational and marketing decisions across the UK, Australasia, and now Canada and the US. So Alex is the founder of Active Exchange. And uh, Alex, if you just wanna say hello and tell us where you're calling in from today yeah evening mike uh, thanks for the the intro um yeah calling in from well quite rainy and cold uh oxford in the uk today um a little village just out just outside oxford if yeah if you know this part of the world but um yeah good to be here I look forward to speaking about uh yeah what's been going on and, and what's coming up thanks alex the other gentleman joining me today is uh, actually the CEO of Active Exchange Australasia. His name's James Ellender, um, and he's leading our global headquarters in Sydney. James has grown up in the industry, starting in, on the front line in 1998, working as a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, sales and gym manager, working all the way up to senior executive roles for some of the largest leisure operators across Australia and New Zealand. Throughout the journey, James grew increasingly frustrated at the lack of evidence behind decisions and the continual mismatch of facility and program to community need and the continuous missed opportunity in making the most of funds and investment. That's when Active Exchange came along. James was an early adopter of Active Exchange, starting on the client side using the platform and data team to make better decisions in his role before joining the company in 2020. He now leads a team of 25 passionate data tech and client success specialists based in three global regions. Say hello, James. 
Hey, Mike. Hey, Alex. Great to be uh, joining the conversation. So not to rub it in, Alex, but it's about 28 degrees at about 9am in Sydney over here today. Uh, but we have got rain forecasted for the rest of the week. So, yeah, great to dive. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both of you make me jealous. I'm in the middle of the prairies in Canada, and it's uh, I think we're expecting a minus 40 degrees Celsius evening tonight. So regardless of uh, where you're at in the world, uh, sport and rec's important, and uh, it's part of our life. It's part of the life of many people around the world. And... Uh, what we wanted to do is just have a conversation about uh, not just that importance of participating in sport and recreation, but also uh, kind of focusing a bit more on, on data, how it's being used and how it can improve uh, where we're at today with sport and rec. So um, the first question that I uh, wanted to pose, and this one's maybe for you first, James, is uh, just what did you see in the sector in 2021? How have different parts of the sector changed over the last 12 months? Well, it can be, it can be a, the whole podcast just there, Mike, I reckon. But um, yeah, it's a, quite an interesting one to answer, having sat in the role for the whole 12 months um, and really tried to work with the sector to navigate month by month. It just felt like um, constantly looking over your shoulder at the next Lockdown, snap lockdown, COVID closures, you know, the, 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 the industry has been battling with that so much. Um, what came to the floor was that just the importance of data. Um, if, if, you know, the, the, if, if I heard another organisation that's going through a digital transformation, um, it seems that that is what everybody has come to the realisation that is paramount. And with that is the data transformation and, and having data to justify what to do next has become incredibly important in terms of when we look at the the industry and the sector um, and and that's the whole ecosystem across sport recreation leisure um, there's a tiredness that that's sort of coming through now and a realization that it's going to be another tough year um, and the data is, is incredibly important so some of the things we're seeing with data um, is firstly participation isn't declining um, when when things open up and uh, access is given there's a swell um, and, and, and trying to navigate what that swell looks like is interesting so what we're seeing is naturally a, a decline in the average age of the member you know in leisure centers and rec, rec facilities and that's sort of linked to you know the fear and risk of, of, of um, attending these venues um, and, and that sort of general concern but we're also seeing a swell in the lower age groups and that that changes programming mix and the you know what the preferences are and the scheduling is like so so that's one key um stat that we've seen as, as changing we've also seen um a dramatic change in the household makeup so um across the uh, one of our partners over here in australia that does all of our sort of household profiling that we reference against all of our membership and participation data um, is reporting and releasing data today that you know the household consumer makeup has changed 30 percent in australia alone you know they, they talk about the regionalization of uh, people and this idea that you don't have to live in the city to have a job in the city anymore and these regional hubs and the, and the explosion well the data's backing it up 
Now, the incredibly interesting part of that is that, you know, we've been tracking and assigning behaviour and profiling demand around these, what we call segments at a household level, and, and the house can be one of 50 in Australia, but we now know where those one in 50 people have moved to and can start to work with our partners to say, well, what does your community look like today? But that average age and that makeup of the household are really powerful statistics to go, what do I do next? Which is really important. And that's what the sector's needing at the moment. We're seeing this, we're tired. It's been a long journey to here and we've just got to make the right decisions next. So that appetite is really up for it. Disruption, I think is uh, a good way to, to put it. And that disruption, I think, uh, has has promise for sport, recreation, leisure, um, because, like you said, uh, James, people, you know, value these activities more, especially when they're taken away for some time. Alex, do you have anything to add? Yeah, well, it's been a, a bit of a different year for for me this year. I've been um, really heavily involved in getting Active Exchange going in, in North America. Um, but one of the things we we did see, like when we launched Active Exchange in Australia, so this is back kind of July 2018, since since then, one of the really strong elements has been around understanding uh, social impact and social value and being able to evidence the difference your, your community facilities are making and do that in a really kind of quantifiable kind of way. This is what we're achieving now, and this is our potential of growth. And being able to take that right the way through to talk about types of residents and the, you know the social and health outcomes and impacts you're going to change and even like we're doing in, in Australia now the actual kind of dollar value behind those those savings but even from the outset in in Canada and going backwards and forwards through through COVID with membership numbers going up and down that from the outset was so important for a lot of the partners that we we've been working with being able to a lot of the time for the first time be able to show the impact they're they're making and, and justify those facilities but also that's kind of helped paint the picture for maybe slightly non-traditional types of services. So we're working with some clients who are looking to run specific out outreach services, but kind of away from the, the rec facility, away from their traditional facilities to try and reach these, these types of residents, like James was saying, who maybe aren't commuting to the same locations, um, aren't prepared to, to travel the same kind of distance to their, to their facilities. Um, we've also started to see clients start to think more around their pricing and their products within the market and how those fit and should a, I think in Canada it's quite traditional sometimes to include everything within one membership, um, but maybe it's it's more viable There's, if we're really kind of looking to, to maximize our revenues, should we split out certain products and how can we target those to the local market? Um, and then it's, it's a no-brainer, but being more responsive around retention, really understanding who's likely to drop out next and, and how best can we mitigate this. That's, I don't think that's ever been more important right now, coupled with who to re-engage next, because right now, a lot of facilities, lots of uh, municipalities have long lists of people on, who are either suspended or recently cancelled. So how can we be really effective at, at re-engaging that group? Yeah, you know that. So just listening to to you and James, that really kind of sums up what Active Exchange has to offer. Not only understanding the markets that are being served uh, and being able to respond to changes in those markets, um, no matter how big the disruption is, but also being able to justify why it's important to have sport and rec in a community or in an area, and uh, and talking about that that social value. 
there's much more to the platform than that, but that is uh, what's got me excited about being part of the active exchange team is, is being able to do both of those things and to do it, uh, to do it well. Um, thinking more specifically about active exchange, James, like tell us about what happened in uh, 2021. Yeah, look, it's, uh, as I, said, I think for our partners, it was challenging for us. It was challenging and, and interesting at the same time. Um, we, we, we made a real commitment at the back end of 2020 to really double down on our partners. And, you know, that was on the, off the back of some, you know, um, accounts that had to be suspended during COVID when it really hit as an impact and, and some that had to get extended and some that were delayed and a whole range of just the reality of really wanting to double down um, and collaborate with those that really wanted to in, in, engage in what we do. So that, that was great. Um, and it allowed us to really also um, commit to building and, and growing the team. Um, we, we appointed three heads of departments um, and, and added seven full-time employees, um, you know, in, in a COVID year that was as challenging for us as anyone considering our, our partners are sport, leisure, fitness, aquatics and government, <laughs> who are all pretty distracted throughout the year. Um, it was, you know, it was a year of um, doubling down on clients and then doubling down on the business. So we we also appointed a board and a, a chair and, and, and implemented a governance framework for the company to really, um, again, invest in the business that needed, needs to, you know, be an independent data aggregating platform for everyone. Um, and that was a really important signal that, that has really engage some of those um, markets that weren't sure what to do next. So, you know, it's allowed us to, you know, um, build a relationship over in Western Australia, in Northern Territory, in, you know, double down in South Australia. And now we're in every state and territory with partners and collaborators. Um, you know, we secured uh, investment from Queensland government to go further beyond traditional membership. And, you know, Alex talks around the, the role of, participation around health and impact and participation well you know we're, we're now um, leading a collaboration with 50 organizations in Queensland around understanding specific cohorts and why they're active or inactive um, so that's been a significant part of um, the year is listening to the market and what we heard loud and clear was there's a real uh, appetite, as you said, Mike, that fields, parks, space, facilities are an integral part of community. So, you know, that last year's really been a, a, an exciting year of growth in that regard. Um, and then equally, you know, we also <coughs> won a couple of national awards and, and picked up a couple of national sports at the back end of last year. So. You know, we're now working with data across an entire country with single national sports, such as water polo, baseball, skate Australia, really trying to have this national view and get it right down to a suburb or a, or a group of streets around why is one person more active than another and why is one facility or place likely to absorb demand. So because of that real commitment to double down and listen to our clients, I think we've despite the challenges, had a really positive year. And by the, by the start of 
this year we'll be working with a hundred state sporting organisations, um, three hundred plus leisure and aquatic facilities, um, and then you know working with all of that data across the entire ANZ footprint. Yeah, that's a really good overview of uh, kind of what's happening in Australasia. And the, the cool thing about Active Exchange, from my perspective, is not just what it can do in a specific market, but the fact that it spans different markets, different countries, different regions. Um, I'm sure that uh, depending on where our listeners are from, um, if they weren't from the, the places that you're talking about there, your story still resonated. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting breaking into, say, a new market or introducing something like this into a new, new market, like uh, has happened in North America over the last year. And it's uh, even more interesting um, doing that off the backs of, you know, what has been successful in, in other markets. So, Alex, I don't know if you want to talk a bit about what's happened in North America in 2021. Yeah, I probably need to try and sound as busy as James has been over the last 12 months. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, going back to that, we launched um, Active Exchange initially in Canada and now recently in the, in the US from uh, kind of this time last year, February, March time, uh, 2021. Um, and it was, yeah, I say it was going back to the beginning and, but obviously we've got a plan coming out of Australia. We've got a number of products and kind of a, a data intelligence partnership that we know works for for recreation for sport and and then municipalities but what was really important is we went back to the two really basic questions that we try and answer um, wherever we work and that is really trying to understand why one person is more likely to be active than another person and then why one program or facility is better at bringing that person in and keeping them active and you start to build up layers to the business in terms of what available, what's available in terms of data, what uh, third-party system partnerships do you require, what strategic partnerships do you require, and you start to start to bring that together. So, um, obviously, some of the highlights setting up the office in the first place—that's always always exciting. So now having a base in in Edmonton and and Florida, but. Um, the ones that the kind of highlights that stand out for me are getting the, the partnership going with uh, the Canadian Park and Rec Association, uh, CPRA, and working towards launching Canada's first ever national infrastructure database. Now, we have a similar module in, in Australia, which is so fundamental for understanding uh, the potential in any given market. If you don't know where the competition is um, and what facilities and and what they're offering, what that looks like compared to where residents are and, and the demand, you're not going to make an informed decision when it comes to planning or investment. So, so getting that going, which will be uh, launched in the next month or two, um, was a really important starting point. But then starting to work with the likes of Curling Canada, um, Ontario Hockey Federation, most recently US Tennis, um, some, some really important um, kind of organizations that are kind of shaping the lands, landscape of, of sport across North America. Um, but at the same time, clients where maybe we can come in and, and add even kind of a, a further advantage by, by really kind of unlocking the potential of their data. Um, and again, COVID's just given us this, this opportunity for, for these kind of teams to look at how they're running their sports, how they're running their facilities, look at that slightly differently and be a bit more open to, to change at the moment. Um, seeing that with, with YMCAs across Canada that we're working with, 
And for the first time, um, it sounds kind of from a pure kind of data geek perspective, I probably sound way too overexcited, but just being able to join together program data from multiple different cities, multiple different recreation facilities, to know what, what group exercise programs and other types of activities are most likely to work. What's trending at the moment? Have you got the right offer for, for your residents or, or your members at the moment? It sounds really basic, but there's kind of layers of work that kind of need to go into it and, and partnerships. And that's that's now kind of kicked on and, and starting to shape up really well. So it's um it's still very much the start of a journey, um, but it's uh, the, the foundations, the fundamentals are starting to, to come through, which is, um yeah, really exciting. So looking forward to, to this year. It's interesting that you, you mentioned those insights about program and what's working and, and what's not. One thing that I think was crystal clear when uh, we started to um, deploy Active Exchange in North America was that even though the, the fundamental rationale for and demand for and uh, appetite for sport and rec activity and physical activity, social connection is there, probably no matter where Active Exchange will go. Some of the semantics and the specifics around those different activity types, uh, what's actually popular in Australasia versus North America, even within North America between uh, Canada and the US is, is pretty interesting. And I think, again, I know I'm harping on this uh, quite a bit, but one of the uh, value offers of active exchange that I don't think we've even realized yet is just what that international interaction or interplay will actually provide in terms of value for our uh, for our users um, and our, our clients. I think, um, um, Mark, oh, go on, ahead. on that point, I think what's really, and it's, it is a journey. And, and I think what we're seeing now is the appetite to share and collaborate. So, you know, what, what, where we broke ground in Australia and New Zealand was the idea that competitors could share data to a level of point where it is de-identified and not shared but the idea of benchmarking and, and industry profiling is developed. Now we're at this place where that's gonna potentially be an international profile and an international benchmark. And, and the realization, and I was one of these people who was a, you know, a, a client many, many years ago, but the realization that together the market gets bigger, not smaller. And, and I think what, you know, this quantification of the why and being able to say, well, this is why we do what we do as a, as a network is going to get us more funding, more outcomes, more benefit. And that's a real cut through moment. And it really excites me about the year ahead is that, you know, there's internationally the commitment about getting more people active. And that really underpins what we're all about. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with James. I think one element is is kind of the sharing of, of market insights in a, in a safe way. But I think also just having a common like R&D roadmap behind all of this. So to kind of bring it to life, we have a whole data science team, um, really skilled um, ladies and, and guys just focusing purely on trying to predict who's going to leave facilities next and using machine learning, different data points in that space. But we're not just, we used to say, oh, we, it's not just one facility or one organization. It's now, you know, we're learning collectively across the country. Those models and sharpening up that the accuracy of those models is now running across multiple countries. 
not just that, but the messages out to those people who are, are at risk of leaving, something we call retention tools, and working out the optimal message to someone in their 30s, male from this background and so on, to change their behavior. Again, continually learning behind the scenes across not just one country's facilities or even one organization's, but, but now on an international uh, scale to really allow each partner to draw down the most relevant insight is, um, is really exciting. And it's, um, it's actually, it's quite unique. There's not many other sectors that have the opportunity to work quite in this way. Um, there's normally too many other kind of politics and, and kind of system technical issues as well. So it's, um, yeah, really exciting to see where this goes. I'm going to uh, take a different angle on it. So you both agreed with me, I think, about the international influence that we're going to maybe bring forward in 2022 and beyond. But another really important benefit to active exchange that I see uh, mostly related to my consulting work is actually at more a micro or community scale. Um, you mentioned, James, the this revelation that maybe you don't need to be hiding all of your information from your competitors if you're in a competitive in environment. Um, having an understanding of what's happening in an entire community as it relates to sport and rec is also very valuable. It can kind of bring everybody together to work towards the same end and hopefully, like you said, a, a bigger market. And it can be even more valuable to, say, a local government that is overseeing service delivery with a number of different kind of moving parts, be they third-party operators or even uh, different operators within their own portfolio. A, a system, a platform like Active Exchange can actually bring a lot of clarity and consolidation of information that uh, really isn't isn't available um, in uh, in a lot of other instances. So, an exciting 2021, I think, and and everything leading up to that, Alex, for sure, <laughs> with your journey thus far. But um, I'm interested to hear what both of you think are uh, sort of the opportunities and, and risks moving forward into 2022. Alex, you want to tackle that one? Yeah, shall I kick off with the, the risks, maybe? Um, I think just seeing that stat from the, um, was it the Fitness Industry Council of Canada that 42% of uh, gym facilities have closed because of COVID. I think they said permanently closed. Mm. I think that just highlights, going back to the two questions that we answer, why one person is more likely to be active than another, and then why one facility um, is better at bringing demand in and keeping people active. It shows the risk of getting it, I don't want to say getting it wrong, because there's a, a global pandemic, and often you can't um, counter certain things. But I think now going forwards, the risk of not using data to inform planning and investment decisions um there's we are seeing this shift i mean take australia we we do in the region of 100 investment planning reports a year from anything from a five hundred thousand uh, dollar franchisee gym through to 110 million dollar city of sydney uh, the latest kind of aquatic center that is now driven by up-to-date market trends market parameters um national infrastructure databases about understanding competition to make sure that we remove that idea of risk or as much as possible from, from planning and investment decisions. Um, I think also just generally thinking more holistically, other industries are getting smarter with data and digital and getting their message and their products in front of consumers uh, much easier. And it's up to recreation, sport to, to move with that and, and recognize, you know, how do they get their product in the right place at the right time through the right kind of channels 
Um, we're doing something with one of the sports, uh, one of our sport partners at the moment, looking at potentially reshuffling some of their league structures and the drive time, because the drive times between clubs is so great. And that's potentially leading to, to members dropping out sooner. How can we use predictive data modeling to, to reshape how that sport can run more effectively to keep people for longer? Um, that's not done by many sports, um, but it's, it's kind of fundamental. And if you think about how retail or supermarkets would go about opening, closing stores, reshuffling, really aligning their offer to, um, to the market needs, that's the space recreation, sport, leisure needs to start operating in. Um, otherwise, it won't stop at 42%. I'm sure that number will keep growing and it won't just be fitness. So the risk is to continue to uh, kind of operate the way the sector has always, always operated, but uh, yeah. that, would lead, I think that if, would lead to opportunity it, too, wouldn't it? Possibly. It pains me though when I kind of see reports that are kind of there and they say, okay, we've looked at the local catchment and there's 100,000 people and therefore we can build a new fitness centre and swimming pool or... Uh, hockey arena or whatever it is just those people have a whole load of different preferences they have different travel time preferences they have different dis levels of disposable income they have different influences in terms of their, their lifestyle you can't just assume because that's the catchment therefore we're going to be able to create a sustainable facility and our risk is the hundreds of millions of dollars that keep going in either whether it's private money or public money into infrastructure and into programs is going to get wasted um or part of it's going to get wasted because we're not being smart enough with how we use data insights that that are now available to us across yeah many of these countries alex i think um we're seeing it a lot over here now and particularly the last three four months coming out of the last lockdown you know in different parts of australia and going you know now's a chance to 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 stop and listen and, and deep dive and so we had a, a council in in um melbourne you know in regional sort of outer skirts of melbourne going we've always delivered one side on top of infrastructure go and tell us what the real demand is and do a true analysis of all the things you just spoke about and tell us what the top five sports are and it didn't match up with what the planned top five sports were so i think the the appetite is starting to and the realization that this can be done and that the evidence can can quantify things um is and you're right we, we last year we did 200 oh, sorry 100 ipms um two a week literally uh some weeks more um on the same path we've seen sports take a step back and want to use data and so we had a, a, a sport we did some analysis for them and and they quickly came to realization that 91 percent of their membership base came from eight percent of the population so if you stop and think about that for a second um what, what does that mean for you know the next iteration of trying the next profile but not just trying to find a profile to grow the game they've actually got to change the delivery of their sport and using data to say, well, right, let's let's protect our base, but let's think about a new delivery model. Let's think about a new placement of development offices where we don't have infrastructure, but there's demand for people like we have. So it's this whole transformation about data intelligence and realizing that, again, coming back to the idea that modeling and predictive analytics is about getting as much information together that can point to an answer and that it doesn't have to be just their data anymore. James, you mentioned uh, IPM. For those of the 
listeners that might not know exactly what that is, it's one of the suite of services that Active Exchange uh, offers. It's actually a, called an investment planning report, and it actually uh, uses that predictive modeling, that artificial intelligence, all those inputs to uh, determine location, type of facility that would that would best, uh, I guess, meet community need, uh, maximize social value, maximize uh, investment, and it's definitely one of our most popular uh, features, I would say. Um, if we're looking into 2022, uh, and I know one answer is to learn more about active exchange if you don't already know, but what other uh, kind of advice would, uh, first, maybe you, Alex, what would you have for organizations looking forward, trying to, I guess, better their data journey? Yeah, it's very easy to say, I think all organizations should become more data confident. Um, and that's, but it's, it, that doesn't happen overnight. And there's, um, it's a whole change management process. Um, and it's one that we've kind of been at the heart of for the last three years, personally for the last kind of 10 years. Um, it's, and with that data confidence, data literacy, but I think it's, it, it's understanding what, data you or the potential of the data you've got at your fingertips today we often the most common thing we get uh, kind of passed back to us is oh we've got pretty rubbish data oh we've not really you know used our system to the full effect or we're thinking of changing system in the next two three months we're just going out to tender can we hold off for a little bit there's no doubt going to be some big decisions made through that time outside of just data strategic decisions operational marketing or plans that are going to be put in place over that time chances are the data you've got today can help inform those decisions coupled with market insights coupled with additional profiling data that we bring in coupled with a data science team that can kind of transform that into something uh, really meaningful so i think it's it's keeping i suppose staying positive to this it's staying open to, to what the opportunities are when it comes to data it's thinking about data beyond your own four walls that's really important um, and it's thinking about how we can, what our team need, how ready are our team to go on this journey and what support do they do they need to kind of, like I said at the start, become data confident. Um, I think one of the brilliant things James and the team brought in, um, was it early last year, might've been at the end part of the year before was, was call it the Active Exchange Academy. And what that is, is it's a couple of sessions a month. Um, and it's not just, uh, active exchange staff speaking we get guest speakers in as well and it's just thinking about some of the basic principles when it comes to using data use it what do we mean by market insights what do we mean by business intelligence and predictive models what data is out there that we're starting to use but also other people are starting to use when you come to procure a new um, recreation management system registration system what are the top three things you should be thinking about in that space what does good value look like how do I prepare what I'm the decisions I'm making today? How do they prepare me for the rest of the year and the next three to five years? Because this whole space is going to change pretty quickly. And are we really setting ourselves up for, for success? Um, so yeah, that's if I was working in, in one of these organizations, I'd be asking those kind of questions. And um, obviously we come being agnostic, independent, we come with quite a lot of kind of fresh ideas as well um, to, to challenge the norm. It's it. I'll just sort of back that up, Alex, that again, it's a real trend that we're seeing at the start of the year. Um, we've 
picked up a number of clients, um, operators of leisure assets on behalf of local government, you know, subsidiaries of local government, um, national sporting organisations. And, and it isn't about just getting onto the product anymore. It's actually about really understanding the environment where they're at as an organisation. And we always say that we're an independent tech agnostic you know, we're not a point of sales membership system and we can work with any platform and we're not consultants, but sitting down with us and, and, and understanding data and the journey that they need to go on can set them up to work with those people much more effectively down the track. We always talk about the platform we've built and the tools that we have is about removing the need to go and gather evidence all the time and start again every time you've got a new project. So we're seeing a lot of people that in the past might have said our data's not ready saying can you come and work with us and just look at us and listen to where we're at and you know over in australia the federal elections are coming up at the back end of this year and everyone's realized that you know again let's think back to and i was you know i was out in the industry working in the space when COVID hit and we did not have a voice you know part of what drew me to jumping into active exchange was the realization that when when the when the industry was when closing and shutting and and all of that and and i was there you know head of marketing and comms and i looked out i looked above the the, the um you know the the tsunami um all the other key industries out there were saying we're going to lose this much money tomorrow and we're going to lose this much x and this much y and and as a collective as an industry we couldn't say anything and we actually started to almost you know it just hit us like a steam train that we didn't have a collective voice so i think you know what we're seeing now is ahead of the elections and ahead of we need to start having a, a voice that's collective um and so you know that, that to me is the the real opportunity to start asking yourselves now is what is your what is your voice and how are you connected and collaborating and how much do you know your local um, needs to then go on that journey around data because otherwise it's just data. Yeah, and James, I I know you're talking about Australia, Australasia, but I I'd uh, say the exact same thing in in North America, same sort of opportunity, but but same kind of troubled path in being able to uh, tell that story and have that foresight. I also think I heard both of you say, don't be intimidated by data. And if you are, there's a support group through Active Exchange to help out with uh, with that issue. Um, we'll hide you from our data scientists, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, at least initially, anyways. Um, you know, just to make it a little more intimidating, though, uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about a couple of the maybe newer sources of data that are going to be out there that that may influence, uh, definitely will feed into active exchange, but but may influence decision making. So one of those is mobility data. I know active exchange is um, constantly trying to uh, find ways to, to capture that and, and use it in a in an efficient way. Um, especially when it comes to measuring kind of social value or participation in places that aren't, you know, aren't places where you can measure it right now, like parks and open spaces and trails and so on. Some of the places that have seen the most use over the last couple of years. The other uh, untapped uh, source, I think, at least in, in Canada, because I experience it almost every day is 
with the level of regulation that we deal with here, um, you have to scan in to get into any public space, pretty much. You have to leave your, your, uh, your uh, uh, breadcrumbs, I guess, um, whether it's a, a rec facility, a lobby in a rec facility or a fitness area, even a swimming pool. And I'm interested to see if we can capture some of that and learn even more about the markets that we're, uh, that we're collectively serving. Um, James, why don't you tell us a little bit about what uh, Active Exchange is going to be up to over the, the coming months just before we conclude here? Cool. Um, yeah, look, I think it's, it's um, yeah, bear, bearing the fruits of a lot of hard work for the last couple of years. So um, for those that, you know, aren't familiar with us, you know, we built a product based on needs many years ago. Um, anyone that works in tech or software understands that you build a minimum viable product and you, you know, you try and answer a lot of questions and, and fill out a product that, that matured really quickly because of the interest around it. But what became really apparent was the need to invest in the next generation software that could really harness safety, security, power of speed around data, but also the translation of that into what Alex describes as a turnkey solution internationally, where you can literally pick up a product and drop it into a country and have a whole picture around activity and participation and social value and health impacts and community profile and consumer index. And that that is what we've been building for some time. We've, we've spent over a million dollars on, on the, the solution. So that's that's about to launch. That's really exciting. It, it, it sees us have a, a version 2.0. Um, it's really about, you know, it, even since we started it a year and a half ago, um, it's it's really what, what our chief of tech would describe as bleeding edge, meaning that it's really set up on the current you know, future systems. Um, that allows our partners to be really comfortable and confident. So with that, now that we've got that tool, um, we've been spending a lot of time talking to and working with the key member management systems. So um, to be able to integrate their platform with ours, with the endorsement, obviously, and, and approval of their partners. So recently we brought on a national sport and we're able to literally at the click of a button bring in an entire database across seven or eight states in Australia and work immediately on data. Um, so a lot of that friction in the past, and Alex lived it for longer than me, where you're literally trying to, okay, now we're ready to give you data, but how do we give it to you? <laughs> that, that is completely transformed. And, and with that, when it's given to us, all the modeling, all the data science and the predictions are ingested, translated and loaded into an account. Um, so really exciting. That might mean nothing to anyone else out there other to say, you don't have to do anything anymore. <laughs> You've just got to have the appetite. Um, and, and then the rest is really through the system and the solution. And that's where all the investments mean. So, so in, in addition to the product, um, we've really doubled down on, again, our, our partners. So you know, over here, we've got you know, nearly 100 subscribers um, who are using the platform in different ways. And the academy and client success you know, just needs to be ingrained in what we do. Um, so that's a big focus for us. And that really then leads, as Alex was saying, that translation of international insights. We've now got organisations that we're partnering with across two continents, you know, the why. So we've got the why in you know, parts of Australia and now in parts of Canada. And 
that's an enormous opportunity that we're we're really excited about to go well, how does that translate what does that mean next and maybe there's other things that we can be looking at but then with all of that it then feeds into what's really fundamentally important which is all that information and decision making can actually drive local government to be able to make really informed decisions and come back to my frustration over the years was you know assets that reflect not just the community but the programs that are that are right um and the investment that's right around that so um that's i think the the real exciting next few months where it then gets all turned on fully yeah i'd um just i suppose from the north america side um Obviously, it's I mentioned earlier, it's still fairly early days, but just getting going with the first um, municipalities. So, and it, it kind of comes off the back of um, of what James was saying there, where you might have a municipality with um, several different facilities. Sometimes they're operated by different organisations. They might be using different registration systems. You might have sports operating across the area as well. And just being able to connect all of those data points up really seamlessly and efficiently. So that just all feeds into one view that tells you this is where participation is happening in our area. These are the growth areas. It draws in the market insight, um, provides the predictive modeling to say, OK, if I was, this is how I you know, resolve this gap. This is how I get these, these residents that are maybe missing out at the moment, how I get them active. And this is the likely impacts on kind of those, those social and health indicators at the back of that. It's the is being able to do that in a fairly frictionless kind of way is, is really important. Um, so yeah, I, that kind of brings us full circle in, in North America because we're working with sports, working with recreation. So to bring in that third part of municipalities and, and kind of tiers of government kind of joins up the ecosystem and the network that um, and a lot of that kind of complements each other in terms of the, the creation and the movement of insight. So um, yeah, that should be good. And then uh, the US tennis um, pilot we've got going on um, in several states um, for the first time, bringing tennis club data together um, and linking that into the, the different USTA sections. But um, yeah, putting a, a data intelligence team behind a whole load of different types of, of tennis clubs and helping them shape operational marketing decisions. Um, obviously, huge sport, um, lots of opportunity. So yeah, looking forward to it. It's kind of the beauty of, of what Active Exchange has to offer is it's scalable. It's applicable or relevant to a small organization that you know is maybe still apprehensive about using data, maybe doesn't have data scientists or data analysts on, on staff, all the way up to a, a robust, uh, large organization that, that already does use data, um, Active Exchange offers a different way to think about it, a different type of predictive model or, or machine learning kind of value offer that, uh, that they, they likely don't, don't have already or for sure don't have uh, something similar. Um, that kind of wraps up uh, what we wanted to cover with the podcast today. Uh, we wanted to uh, just make sure, and I think it was pretty clear, but make sure that everybody understood that Active Exchange um, you know, we have websites where you can go and get more information about uh, what the platform has to offer. There's a webinar series for both Australasia and North America that will be forthcoming this year. There's also a number of podcasts on Spotify under Active Exchange uh, Sportsite. Um, we're always uh, willing and uh, open to, to having a chat with you. Uh, 
about data in your organization, about where you are at in your data journey. Um, really, we all need to, uh, to advance that data journey no matter where we're at on the spectrum. And we definitely need to, as a sector, continue to evolve the way we think about data, we collect it, and we use it to, again, come back to those uh, two fundamental things that I think Active Exchange has to offer, and that's making better decisions about, about the markets that we're in and our operations, and also being able to tell that, that story of justification and social value uh, better. I want to thank, uh, thank Alex and James for their time today. Uh, very busy individuals for sure, but very knowledgeable when it comes to uh, not just what Active Exchange has to offer, but just that that whole topic of, of data in the sport, rec and leisure world. So I want to thank both of you and I want to thank uh, our listeners here today. And I challenge you to uh, don't be afraid of data and uh, tune into our next podcast as soon as uh, as soon as it's available. See you Thanks, later. Thanks.